Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good afternoon. This is uh, Dick Bowerly in for Tom. I was very tempted to do Black Friday by Steely Dan as the intro, but I didn't have time to tell Dan. So we may pull that one out a little later, uh, a little bit obvious perhaps uh, for today because it is Black Friday. And I want to talk a little bit more about Black Friday as the program goes on this afternoon. But first, let me start by kind of recapping for me what was the week that was? And then I'm going to share a story with you of something that I saw in the skies over my house last night. And I'm sure you'll find that intriguing, if not interesting. But first off, Thanksgiving week is always a special week for me for a number of reasons. Uh, the main reason is uh, on Tuesday, which was the 21st, my wife and I celebrated our 48th wedding anniversary. So Thanksgiving week is always special uh, because of that. And ironically enough, the weather on Tuesday was exactly like it was the night we got married. Cold, pouring rain, totally romantic, right? So in any event, our first Thanksgiving together back in 1975... Uh, was one that we were going to just kind of revel in, like, you know, we're not going to do the family thing. It'll just be the two of us. So we thought, let's do something different for Thanksgiving. Let's concoct a dinner that totally goes against all tradition because we are, you know, forever known as the nonconformist in the family. So a guy I work with said, if you're looking for something different to have for dinner, here's an idea. Get a steak, and I will teach you how to marinate the steak. So he did. And I followed the instructions, and I have to tell you, it was the worst Thanksgiving meal I have ever had. So moving forward, we never, ever replicated the famous marinated steak dinner for Thanksgiving. One other quick memory, though, of that first Thanksgiving, uh, the Bills happened to be on TV then. And it was so long ago. Obviously, 48 years is not exactly uh, yesterday. The Bills were playing the then St. Louis Cardinals, who were a good team, and the Bills actually won the game, and the star of the game 
was Walt Pitalski, the much maligned Walt Pitalski, who is a number one draft choice out of Notre Dame. And that was about the only good game he ever played for the Bills. So, Walt, you are forever in my memory of my first married Thanksgiving. Absolutely, we'll never forget that. But it was fun, aside from the steak that was, like, absolutely horrible. Uh, does the word uh, term shoe lever mean anything to you? By the way, 803-0930 is the number to get on board if you want to join in the conversation at any point this afternoon. And, again, this is your show. I hope that you will do that because I love to talk to you. Now, other things for this week, memory-wise – I was very surprised on Wednesday. Now, if you are a baby boomer, you likely remember what Wednesday was. Now, a quick caveat. Every year around the anniversary of the JFK assassination, usually there are documentaries upon documentaries upon documentaries on every channel. The History Channel, the Science Channel, the Discovery Channel. Well, aside from an eight-part documentary, on Kennedy on the History Channel, there was none of that on Wednesday. I was shocked. Um, I did watch the uh, uh, the documentary though, which I thought was really fascinating. Uh, I you know I didn't realize at the time. Now I was, let's see, 1962. I was 10 years old. Full disclosure, I was 10 years old, and I knew that something bad was going on in the world, but I didn't know the extent of it until I watched. This documentary, specifically, I believe it was part seven, that Cuban Missile Crisis was some pretty heavy stuff. I didn't know how close we actually came to nuclear war, much closer than I ever would have suspected. And how, um, you know, Kennedy was able to maneuver us out of that was nothing less than amazing. But being in grade school at the time, and I went to Philip Sheridan grade school uh, in the town of Tonawanda, or in Kenmore, if you if you will, you cannot believe we were having air raid drills. We were having visits to the fallout shelter. Um, we had two ways of saving ourselves, by the way, if a nuclear bomb dropped anywhere in the area. Way number one was we'd go up outside in the hallway and we would put our hands behind our heads. I'm sure that was going to work real well if there was a nuclear blast. The second way was we had to crawl under our desks in the classroom and put our hands behind our desk. And I remember thinking at the time, boy, they must be pretty smart knowing that these simple moves are going to stop me from being totally obliterated and annihilated. But again, that was really frightening, Dan, and very eye-opening for me. Watching that part seven, I did not realize how close we came because apparently one of the Russian submarine commanders actually did fire some kind of a shot. And that was right before Kennedy reached out to Khrushchev and said, hey, you know, let's figure out a way to stop this. And the bottom line was he traded the U.S. missiles in Turkey in exchange for getting rid of all the Russian missile bases in Cuba, which I think is, a, at the end of the day, was a pretty reasonable trade. So that was my memory of Thanksgiving week, kind of number two. And let's see, number three, obviously, there is Thanksgiving football all day. Interesting to watch the evolution of Thanksgiving football because it used to be one game back when I was a kid. It was one game, and it was always the Detroit Lions against somebody. Usually it was the Packers, okay? 
And then it evolved to like, hey, the NFL thought, and this is probably in the 70s, but I can't give you an exact date, where they said, hey, why not do two games on Thanksgiving? We'll have one at 12 and one at 3.30 or 4. What a great idea. And so that's what happened. We had two Thanksgiving games. And then what, within the last five or six years or seven years, now we have three Thanksgiving games. And I tell you, the games yesterday, uh, nothing to write home about. Every one of them was pretty much a blowout, uh, hardly compelling. But, you know, sports nut that I am, yes, I watched every play. Which leads me to today. For, for the first time in NFL history, we have a Black Friday game. And for us Bills fans, it's an AFC East game with the Jets and the Dolphins playing. That's the good news. Bad news is, unless you have Amazon Prime, you're not going to see it. Now, according to the cable guide, the NFL Network is going to rebroadcast it at 7 o'clock tonight, FYI. But the cable guide on Fios is known to lie from time to time and not always be that accurate. But the big question that I want to throw out to you, do you think this Friday, Black Friday game is a one-off? an anomaly, or something that is now going to be part of the Thanksgiving weekend fabric. My take is I think it's going to be here forever because there's obviously big money on the line, number one. And I have Amazon Prime, by the way, full disclosure. I like Amazon Prime. I like the Thursday night games, but better yet, I like a lot of the programming. And I also, being cheap, I like the free deliveries I get if I order something from Amazon. So I am not going to blast Amazon Prime because there's added value. And it's not that expensive. So I don't mind Amazon Prime. So I will catch the end of the game when I get home tonight. And if it really does broadcast on the NFL Network, well, then maybe I'll watch the first half. I'll likely already know who won. And, of course, the Sabres are also on at 6 o'clock. I've got a busy night, believe me. I have a very, very – and Dateline might even be on later. So I have a lot going on today. So at any event, though, I'm I'm curious what your thoughts are on a Black Friday football game. Now, again, a lot of people are off on Friday. Uh, There usually are a lot of college games on on, uh, Friday, but usually the marquee games uh, of the week are not on Friday. But there's some, you know, decent teams. But uh, the NFL putting a game on Black Friday – just could very well be something that is going to stay, and it could also be a way to get more people to get into the idea of pay-for-view NFL games. And to me, that is a little frightening because we already know that the Bills and the Chargers game on December 23rd is going to be shown on Peacock. And you've been seeing possibly a lot of ads on, on TV inspiring people to buy Peacock to see the Bills in the Chargers game. As far as I know, we still get to see it on local TV. Uh, Brayton uh, Brayton Wilson and I were talking before I came on the air, and I asked Brayton, and he said, yeah, he goes, as far as he knows, uh, anything that the Bills are involved with are going to, uh, we'll be able to see it on local TV. But I'm still waiting to uh, 100% confirm that. All that being said, let's go to, Julia, Julia, you are on WBEN with Dick. How are you? Hi, 
Hi, I'm good. Hi, Dick, right? Yeah, it's me. Uh, Richard, Dick. We can call me, um, call me, call me anything. Congratulations. Don't call me maybe. Okay, I won't call you maybe, baby, because you've been married for 48 years, and your wife might get very angry with me for calling you that. But I am about to be married on May 1st of 2024 to my loving fiancé, and this is my first marriage. I'll be 54 years old, and I want it to last. 48 years would be nice, but I don't think we'll be... I don't think we'll last that long because of, you know, age. Maybe we'll be like the Carters. But I wanted to know what advice you'd have to have a long marriage. Uh, so I'll hang up and listen, okay? Uh, if you, you've got it. And, uh, Julia, you. I have to tell you, this is the first time in my entire career that anybody has asked me for marital advice, which I think is uh, – very nice of you to ask, but I will give you some advice since you asked. And I guess I can proclaim myself an expert in such matter. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Because I had everything going against me. First of all, I'm a Bowerly. <laughs> step, negative step number one. Uh, number two, I was a musician. That's negative number number two on that one, right? So, but the best advice I can give you is when you know the right, when you find the right one, you just know it. But like anything in life, uh, you, you have to be cognizant, and nothing is ever one hundred percent easy. And what I mean by that is, I think that the ingredients of a happy marriage there are four ingredients. One obviously is love. Every marriage starts with love, right? The second one is respect. The third thing is understanding, the ability to understand the communication between the two of you. And the fourth component of a successful marriage, guess what? It's laughter. You have to be able to laugh together. You have to be able to make each other laugh, find the faults in each other, and laugh about them. And that's what Mary and I have done for 48 years. And I guess the fact that she could put up with a Bowerly for 48 years speaks volumes for that my methodology actually is something that works. So that is, uh, that is, my, uh, that is my advice. Thanks and short. Thank you. Well, I don't know how short it was, but you're very, you're very welcome. And uh, you have a wonderful holiday, okay? You too. Thank you. You got right it. So there you have it. Dick Bowerly, marriage counselor. She's getting married at 54, and she said that she's probably not going to make 48 years like I did. 
But, hey, God love her. I hope they do. I hope that they can be the first, uh, you know, 100 anniversary marriage celebrators. That would be kind of cool. And I could claim credit, except the only problem is I won't be here when that happens. So I will not be able to claim credit for that. So we are talking uh, Black Friday. And a lot of other things. And I didn't mean to ramble on about my personal life, but I thought there was some gems of wisdom contained therein. And obviously, we got a phone call, so there must have been. 803-0930 is the number. And I want to talk a little bit more about Black Friday. But I want to relate it to something. My contention is, and this should be a nice setup for uh, the next block, I don't think... I don't think that Black Friday has the same juice that it once had. Let's go back about 15 years. Every Thanksgiving evening, what was tip, unless there was some major foreign or domestic event, which didn't really seem to happen back in the good old days, what was usually the lead story on every local news channel? It was usually... The cameras would go out to a store, and this is 11 o'clock at night, keeping in mind that then the stores would open at maybe 6, then eventually it got to be 5, then it got to be 4. You would see a line of people in lawn chairs waiting to be the first people to get in and snag whatever they, they felt was the bargain. But, I mean, the lines of people used to be amazing. That was the story. Now, why did people do that? I can't answer because I never did, okay? But my best explanation, if you're familiar with the Discovery show, Naked and Afraid, I think that a lot of people looked at sitting outside in a lawn chair on a cold November night is some type of a rite of passage. And I think people really got into it. It was like their chance to be a survivalist, if you will. So I always looked at it like, hey, this is like naked and afraid, but with winter coats. That was my take on it. But I know that people got into the fact that, hey, I sat in a lawn chair outside of you pick the store. Uh, I'll pick one that's gone. Let's say two guys or twin fair. I sat out in a chair. And I survived. And I, I know people who had that mentality that actually did that for years and years and years, and they thrived on it. They loved the ability to say, I was there on Black Friday. The weather was terrible, but I was outside, and I couldn't wait to get in, which to me seemed, you know, do you really want to freeze your butt off for a Cabbage Patch doll? Not really on my bucket list, to be totally honest with you. Now, that being said, I want to talk more about Black Friday and where we think the change maybe happened, and I want to get more into that in the uh, in the second block today. So if you have a thought on Black Friday, do you participate? Did you participate? Uh, do you no longer participate? How do you shop? Have your shopping habits changed? And I think we all know when that started to happen. And I want to get into that a little bit with you uh, in the in the next block. So all that being said, stand by. We've got Max uh, going to be telling us what's going on in the world. Hopefully nothing bad today. And uh, we'll see you on the other side.
Don't say I didn't warn you. You had to know that song was coming. Dan and I conspired during the news break, and I said, let's put that on because never leave the audience hanging when you promise you're going to do something. Anyways, welcome back. I am Dick Bowerly in for Tom. Uh, 803-0930 is the number to get on board, and we are talking about a ton of topics. Now, in this particular segment, I want to get back to the idea of Black Friday. Does Black Friday and its subsequent shopping, is that different? Well, obviously it is different, and I have, you know, I have an opinion uh, why. Um, much like Joe Beamer, who Joe mentioned this uh, during his show, I used to love the holiday season of walking through what was then the Boulevard Mall, and it still is, but it's, I guess, kind of empty. I haven't been in there in a while, but. You get caught up with all the stores, various window decorations, all the people shopping. Uh, There was just a certain holiday vibe that really amplified the joy of the season, whatever denomination you are, okay? And that's gone. And I think we know why it's gone. Uh, I got to thinking last night in between crappy plays of the football games I was watching, I began to realize that. We all know what happened in 2020. 2020, I believe, was a tipping point for American society because of COVID. All of the lockdowns, all of the restrictions that we were all asked, I should say forced, but I'll say asked to be polite, uh, to, to follow uh, it it destroyed my family's holidays, first of all. I mean, the, we used to, our normal regimen, our big family holidays were always Thanksgiving at my mom's, Christmas Eve at my mom's, Christmas Day at a number of places. That was it. And it was the one time all year that my entire family would get together and make fools of ourselves and laugh while we were doing it. Well, obviously, with all the lockdowns and with my mother being aged and mom is still with us. Hi, Ma. See you tomorrow, I hope. <laughs> Anyways, got throwing that little personal stuff every now and again. Um, we stopped doing it. So we had no Thanksgiving gathering. We had no holiday gathering over Christmas of 2020. And that prevailed into 2021 as well. And, uh, and, and I miss that. I miss the old days. Uh, I, I miss when the Christmas season used to start the day after Thanksgiving. I miss that. You know, because Thanksgiving was like, that was the build-up day, right? It was like, wow, the holiday season starts tomorrow. And I think that was another reason that a lot of people got caught up bringing their lawn chairs outside of stores and saying, you know, I'm going to freeze my butt off because I want to say I did this. And it's the excitement of talking to other people doing the same thing that, Again, it just sort of fermented that excessive holiday spirit that I think is gone. And I think it's kind of gone forever. And I, I, really, I really miss that. I miss the way the holiday season used to be. Um, and, and again, now already, in fact, a week before Halloween, I was seeing ads on TV promoting Christmas holiday specials. A week before Halloween. I mean, when it lasts that long prior to this event, it takes the luster off it. You know, you want that big buildup, that slow buildup. 
And then you just want to like go all in the day after Thanksgiving. And we can't do that anymore. We can't do that anymore. Now, to that end, I have to ask you, were you one of the devotees of Black Friday vigils outside of stores at 4 in the morning? Did you do a lot of shopping on Black Friday during the day? Or, again, because of COVID, did your buying habits change dramatically? Did you shift from a brick-and-mortar shopper to realizing, because you had no choice, that, well, I guess I'm going to have to shop online this year because they won't let me in the stores. And I wonder if you did that, and here we are in 2023, if that way of doing things has stuck with you, and that's the way you do it now, that you now avoid brick-and-mortar stores and you prefer to do your shopping online. So let me know, 803-0930, have your shopping habits changed dramatically, and can we agree that it was probably the whole COVID situation that was the, I don't want to say the inspiration, but I'll say it was the cause of this major shift in the way we interacted or interact with people, or even our own families during the holidays. And I miss those interactions. I really do. Uh, Not to state the obvious, but we don't get any younger every year. So obviously things are going to change with each year. And when you get older, when you're younger, you know, a year or two of maybe having to step back from what you're used to doing is maybe not that big of a deal. But as you age, well, I hate to say it, but you do lose people along the way. One or two years, you can, you know, unfortunately, you know, people that you love, they they do leave this earth. And things can never really be the same in many instances without them, right? So I say that when when I tell you how much I miss the old days, and again, I'm not overtly trying to be the get off my guy lawn, but I guess I am in a way. Uh, I really miss what my most of my life was the traditional holiday season. Uh, I actually used I used to dread shopping because I was a brick and mortar guy. I mean, this is you know for most of my life before the internet offered the option of you know going to a website and saying yeah I'll take that 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 and that. Um, I really liked that hectic feeling of like, oh, God, it's uh, December 15th and I haven't bought anything yet. i got to get my butt out to a store. There was stress, but there was no greater relief than when you finally went out and you did it and you got all your stuff done. And it is very easy to get spoiled shopping online. Let's face it. You don't have to leave your house. You don't have to worry about parking. You don't have to worry about long lines. But all that being said, does that also take away from kind of mingling with people that you don't know out at a brick-and-mortar store? You know, I, I say it's a double-edged sword. Yes, there is an advantage to online shopping from a convenience standpoint, but I think from an emotional standpoint, it does have its drawbacks because, you know, what are you doing? You're interacting with your fingers on a keyboard, really. You know, going out to a website where you're placing an order with probably some type of a, 
automatic uh, recipient of your of your order. You're not really uh, dealing with the with, with and there's no human interaction. Is is really what I'm really what I'm trying to say. So I'd like to get your views on that. Eight zero three zero nine thirty. Have your shopping habits changed since COVID? Did you used to be a participant in the what, what I'm going to call the Black Friday migration, uh, which usually took place from 11 o'clock at night, the day on Thanksgiving, and would go you know until the stores would open at whatever time they would open. It used to be like 7, and then it got to be 6, then it got to be 5, and then as soon as some stores said 4, well, then they all opened at 4. But I'll never forget those newscasts of looking at these people freezing in their lawn chairs outside a store to buy a cabbage patch doll or whatever the whatever or, or a pet rock or whatever the whatever the uh, the hot item was I never really bought into any of that stuff by the way I never really bought into any of the uh the toy the toy hype to speak of not at all again I I really miss the days of of going to a store and doing shopping and as I mentioned in the uh, in, in the first block, my wife and I having celebrated 48 years, you know, at this point, there's really not a whole lot of surprises that we can that we can we're shopped out. I mean, you know, you really uh, a good a good holiday gift is one that should be a surprise. I think we're out of surprises after 48 years. You know, anything that we would want to get each other, we probably can't afford. I don't think. Uh, I don't think I'm going to see, uh, you know, a Porsche 911 in my driveway with a bow on it. I don't think that's going to happen, and uh, you know, I don't think my, I don't think my wife is going to see keys to a to a big new mansion in her stocking either. So the things that we would really like to get are not re- they're totally unrealistic, and we also can't get them at the mall either, for for that matter. So let me know how you have made out, especially today. And speaking of today. If you are out and about and you'd like to tell us where you are, without mentioning the store if you can avoid it, uh, but how is the foot traffic where you are? Uh, more importantly, even though we're going to have Alan coming up in a little bit with a traffic update, uh, where in the general vicinity are you and what is the traffic like in that vicinity based on your experience? Would you say it's pretty much the same as a normal day? Is it slightly elevated, or are you shocked because nobody's on the road? I'd really like to kind of get your take on the shift in your holiday process, because I know mine has shifted. Mine has shifted big time. 803-0930 is the number, and I would like to have you uh, join the conversation. And we've got a number of things out there on the table. Now, uh, I did get a thing on the text board that I will read. I mentioned in the uh, in the first segment about the uh, ill-fated steak that I tried to make on our very first uh, married meal together on Thanksgiving, and somebody gave me this tip. They said, try marinating a steak or piece of beef in orange juice concentrate for an hour before cooking, and it's like biting into a marshmallow, which I, I thank them for the advice, but... I will say that I would prefer that my steak tastes like a steak and hopefully not a marshmallow, but I think he was referring more to the more to the texture. But I will tell you this, as a kid, orange juice products were pretty well limited 
to the frozen food section. You might remember those little eight-inch, uh, eight-ounce cans of concentrate of which this person is referring, and it was frozen. And you basically made your own orange juice. You'd pour the concentrate into some kind of a container, add water, and voila, there was your orange juice. Now, but when you're a kid and you thought you were being really sneaky, at least I thought I was being really sneaky, if you wanted a sweet treat and you couldn't find anything else in the house, you'd look in the freezer and you'd say, I'll bet you this orange juice concentrate tastes like an orange popsicle. I'm going to check this out. So, you know, mom's not looking or she's not around. You'd open up the can, you put in your teaspoon, you take a taste, and it was God awful. I mean, it, it could not be any more bitter and uh, and disgusting to eat. So that was a lesson one learned when you're like six or seven years old, when you think you're being so smart and that you can beat the system and you can equate a can of orange concentrate to a popsicle. Folks, uh-uh, didn't, uh, it didn't work very well on that. Not at all. 803-0930 is the phone number to get on board. I am Dick Bowerly in for Tom. I don't think Tom is out Christmas shopping today because he always waits till the 24th of December, that being. So he's probably just enjoying a leisurely uh, day off. And uh, also, you know, I, I did allude to this a little bit in the earlier block. Um, and I don't like to dwell on this too much because it's Tom's famous for this topic. But I do want to throw it out there. Uh, if any of you, and hopefully all of you, uh, were alive on November 22nd, 1963, and if uh, if you remember that day, and where were you, and what you might have been doing that day, uh, be either before or after, you know, we got the we got the news. And you know what's what's interesting. Back then, you know, we today, whatever cable service we use, we have a zillion channels to watch. And there's at least, what, somewhere between, I haven't counted lately, but maybe between 12 and 20 various news channels, right? Well, back in 1963, we had locally, we had channel 2, 4, and 7, and rabbit ears to pull all that fine information in. Oh, and there's more. Probably 99% of those televisions in 1963 were black and white. So it was uh, definitely, you know, compared to the world that we live in today technologically, uh, it was it was pretty uh, antiquarian. It really was back then. Pretty primitive as far as getting the news which maybe is why when you see the uh, clip of Walter Cronkite uh, announcing the the death of President Kennedy, why it's so compelling, because it had to be. And I think the same probably would be true of the other other, uh, news stations. But the other thought I always have is that if cell phones had been around in 1963, the way we have them today, there would be no conspiracy. There would be probably 10,000 people who would have been able to get a video of the assassination. Everybody would know exactly what happened that day, and there wouldn't be any speculation. There would be no conspiracy books. There would be no, you know, a docu- documentary. And the last word on that, as far as, you know, that situation, I don't believe we are ever going to really know the real story. I really don't. 
we may already know the real story, or we may not. Uh, you can take any piece of data, any piece of information, and you can make a convincing story. So the point I'm saying is the various people that are purveyors of the cons- various conspiracy theorists, they can pull out enough information that can be verified that supports their belief of a conspiracy. But by the same token, on the other side, the same, it's true equally that you can pull out an equal amount of information that says, no, it went down the way the history book says it does. You've got one lone nut who wanted to be famous, who was probably uh, you know, uh, an angered American or he was uh, pro-Cuban or whatever. And, but the other side will say, no, none of that is true, and we can prove it. And then that side will say, well, wait a minute, no, you're wrong. We can prove that what we're saying is right. It's really the perfect setup when you think of it. And the reason that we'll never know the truth is that anybody that was involved, if there was some type of a conspiracy, they're likely all gone. I mean, it was covering up. It it was potentially the perfect crime, if there was one. And I'm not saying there was, because I don't know any more than you do. But uh, my view on it has always been, it's kind of like flying saucers, in the sense that we can't prove, at least what we're told, we can't prove 100% that they exist. But on the other hand, we can't prove 100% that they don't. Same can be true of Bigfoot. We can't prove that Bigfoot exists, but we also can't prove that it doesn't. So that's kind of where I am on the conspiracy and I th- deal. And I, I think we probably have a greater chance of knowing the truth about Bigfoot than we will ever know about the JFK assassination. Because at some point, aside from footprints, at some point, someone is going to be in the uh, Washington wilderness or Oregon or the Northern California and they're going to have a camera, but better yet, they're going to have some kind of a firearm, and there will be physical proof, I think, that that Bigfoot, if it does exist, there will be physical proof that will uh, that will absolutely come up. Again, 803-0930, uh, get on board. Uh, in this next segment coming up, I want to share with you something that I saw in the skies over my home last night. And I think it was somewhere between 7 and 7.30. But I definitely want to share with you this story because I don't want to say it freaked me out, but I I will say that I was totally spellbound. So that's what is known as a radio tease. I hope that you'll stick with me. And certainly if any of you saw what I saw last night, I urge you to give me a call because I know I'm not crazy. I know I saw what I saw, which I will describe to you in vivid detail once the uh, next segment starts. But I think for right now, let's see what is going on in the world. So let's see what Max has to tell us uh, about uh, what's happening in the world and also around here. And uh, I will catch you a little bit after three. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, 
they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.